I think his supporters will say, eh, that's just not important. He says that for effect. He's a strong leader. This week's episode is from an interview conducted last May with psychology professor Dan McAdams, who wrote the Atlantic's June cover story on the mind of Donald Trump. With just over a week until the election, we thought we'd revisit that conversation with Professor McAdams. Trump has proven to be a divisive figure, especially during this election season. Part of that, McAdams said, is because he's so unique. I mean, he's interesting on the surface. I mean, he's, he's a phenomenon. There is nobody like him in the world. And it is extraordinary what he has achieved, especially in the political realm over the last year. You know, on the surface, he's a highly socially dominant, extroverted person who's very, very disagreeable and bombastic. And he's got a singular persona. But for most people, you get behind the traits that you see in everyday life and you find values and goals that are interesting. You find a story that maybe helps you understand them. And there is some of that with Trump, but not that much. He's just not as compelling a human being as I sort of expected him to be when you get past the surface. Trump does have a guiding story, though, McAdams said. It's just not as complex as others he's seen. He has a story for his life about essentially fighting, being a warrior. He's been fighting since as far back as he can remember. His father encouraged him to fight hard, to be a killer, because the world is a tough, Darwinian, ruthless place. And that is how he sees it, which is somewhat ironic, given that he grew up in the lap of luxury, a very well-functioning, very rich family, and yet come out of that with this warrior narrative is sort of interesting. But I just didn't find a lot of nuance and a lot of subtlety. McAdams said there isn't really a presidential precedent for Donald Trump. You just aren't going to find anybody, in our history at least, who makes the kind of outlandish personal insults in public that Donald Trump has made. There really isn't anybody like him. Going back to Jackson, I guess, yeah, there are some parallels that are sort of interesting. But the big difference is that Jackson had a story and a philosophy. I mean, Jackson was the first non-elite man to become president, and he was viewed that way. He viewed himself that way. He was a rags-to-riches great American story, the first one. Jackson had these two things going. He had this narrative about the common man and how he was a common man and he could relate to other common men uh, and spread democracy and keep the union together. You don't see anything like that with Donald Trump. His story is about just being number one. We got to win and we can make America great again by winning. But you know, like, what does that mean? So why does Trump fight? I've gotten to the point now where I believe that at the end of the day, he doesn't really think that's a legitimate question. The world is a dangerous place. You have to fight to win. If you don't fight to win, you will lose. How do we know? Well, look at my brother, he'll tell you. My brother, Freddie. He was a loser. He was a wonderful man. I loved him, Donald will tell you. He was a kind-hearted person, but he wasn't a fighter. He got pushed around. He was weak. He succumbed to alcohol, for example. Donald Trump never drinks. He succumbed to this, that, and the other thing. And by the time he was 43, his life was a wreck and he died. That's what happens to you if you don't fight, if you're not strong. So the question why fight is almost moot in Donald Trump's mind. It's like, why breathe? One trait McAdams and many other people have identified in Donald Trump is narcissism. Narcissism, though, doesn't explain many of Trump's more controversial political stances. Narcissism can come out in many different forms. It's really not a um, 
there's no behaviors that are associated with it. Specifically, it's more about your motivation. So if your number one goal in life is to be adored by everybody, to be seen everywhere, to be considered the most brilliant person on earth, that's narcissism. You can be an extrovert or an introvert and be narcissist. You can be a nice person in the sense of being agreeable and friendly, or you could be a mean-spirited one. Trump's appeal to those who mistrust immigrants, who, who uh, you know, the building the wall and all that, that's not narcissism. That's partly his political stance that enables him to bring in followers who I think themselves are looking for an authoritarian kind of dynamic. Trump, I don't know how much of that stuff he actually believes, but he appeals to people who believe that stuff. One thing that stood out in this campaign has been the aggressive work of fact-checkers. The New York Times, and NPR particularly, have live fact-checked the debates, and many other news outlets analyze Trump and Clinton's statements on the campaign trail. Though fact-checks have shown that Donald Trump has lied repeatedly, some see him as far more trustworthy than his Democratic challenger, Hillary Clinton. PolitiFact has him at 75% last I looked in terms of like 75% of his statements on the campaign trail are just out and out lies. And then you see Hillary Clinton, all right? And a lot of people say she's not trustworthy, but she's 29% in that same thing. So, I mean, it's just hard to kind of figure. I think many of his supporters believe that he's putting on an act. They know that a lot of the stuff he says is outlandish. I mean, he said that Ted Cruz's father was involved in the JFK assassination. He has claimed that Barack Obama was not born in the United States. Does he really believe these things? I don't know if he does or not, but I think his supporters will say, eh, that's just not important. He says that for effect. He's a strong leader. We need a strong leader. And they are trusting him to save us, to keep us secure and comfortable. So it's sort of like, you know, you're weak and the authority is strong and you look up to the authority and, okay, maybe the authority has some faults, like, you know, he's an adulterer and he's kind of wanton and half the stuff he, well, 75% of the stuff he says is blatantly false, but I can trust him to keep me safe. Besides his image as a strong protector, McAdams said there are other aspects of Trump's personality that attract voters to him. He's fun to be around. He has tremendous energy. He's dynamic. He can make you feel really great. His workers are loyal to him. Uh, His family is loyal to him. He's a big guy. He exudes a lot of energy and primal power. His sense of humor is pretty good. He has pretty funny quips. So I kind of had a, what the psychoanalysts call a transference, where it's like you got somebody in your life and you transfer it onto that other person. He reminded me of my father, okay? Big guy like that, kind of grandiose, big talking, you know, swaggering. And there was something kind of appealing about it. And I think he has that uh, effect on some people. So we asked McAdams, is there a time period or a situation to which President Donald Trump's personality would be well-suited? Yeah, maybe in times of war, when it's really clear that you've got to win, and it's clear what the victory is about. It's about defeating a mortal enemy. When people feel threatened, strong leaders who promise simple answers can be very compelling. So George W. Bush's popularity went way up after 9-11, and uh, so it was so strong that he felt he had a mandate to launch a preemptive invasion of a country that had nothing to do with the attack on the Twin Towers, that being Iraq. So, yeah, but, you know, then it fades. So I can imagine somebody like Trump being an effective leader in a kind of life-or-death sort of moment. 
But being president is so much more than that. And those moments are not that common. So Donald Trump is a fighter, which could suit him well in times of crisis, but, according to McAdams, doesn't leave him as well-equipped for the more routine demands of being president. It might, though, make him a strong candidate. Many years ago, almost 20 years ago, I believe Barbara Walters interviewed him and asked him if he would be happy to be appointed president rather than to run for it. And he said, no, he would not be happy with that. It's the race that I enjoy. It's the contest. He wants to win. So that I think it makes him a formidable candidate. He'll do anything to win. So he could be a very, very effective candidate, but it's hard to predict what kind of president he would be. And in that way, he's an interesting contrast to the Democratic nominee. I think she has tremendous qualifications to be a very good president. But is she a good candidate? McAdams said if Donald Trump does win the presidency, it's hard to say for sure how he would govern. I don't think we can predict what he's going to do exactly. We can see some trends in his life. But look, this man's never held a political position before. He hasn't run any kind of political organization. He's never been elected to anything, not even like PTA board chairman. So, you know, now we're talking he's in the Oval Office. What's he going to do? It's really hard to predict. I don't know how much prognostication I can do. If we've learned anything from the 2016 election, it's that politics are unpredictable. No matter what happens, this election will be one for the history books. One thing you can predict, though, is that Office Hours will be back in your feed in two weeks. I'm Maddie Fox. My producer is Isabel Robertson. Additional reporting was contributed this week by Jeremy Margolis. The editor of the Daily Northwestern's audio desk is Corey Mueller, and our editor-in-chief is Julia Jacobs. See you in two weeks.